You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jen Wilkin and JT English. And on today's episode, we're going to ask the question, what is Jesus doing right now? Or the present session, present ministry of the resurrected and ascended Son of God. We hope you enjoy the discussion. All right, so we'll uh, we'll cut right to the chase in this episode because the last episode, Jen was playing hall monitor and said she didn't want any more band. I, I just like I like I don't get to see you both as often as I'd like. That's one of the things. So it's, it's fun to get yes. to catch up, but I guess that it, it, maybe JT, that's just more for me and you. I love seeing you here. I love seeing you too, man. We're Why don't you guys have a little hug and then we'll get into the content? Oh we hugged before. Goodness. Do you um, do you feel like we'd be friends if we weren't still doing the podcast? Yeah, me too. <gasps> What I just a horrible to make sure. question. I'm just, no. I just I was just want to make sure. How, how many of events recently have I invited you to because I had a spare ticket? One. That's not true. Yeah. I had a spare ticket for the concert. Yeah. Well, I had a spare ticket I'm for thinking. the Mavs game. And you also invited me to California. Yeah. That's three. Well, I feel a little left out, guys. <laughs> well, they were all one ticket. <laughs> <laughs> These were all things that I had no knowledge of, so that's fine. It's cool. Okay. No wonder I don't want to banter. I apparently have nothing in common with either of you. That's not true. That's not true. Uh, you know that's not true. You guys are taking trips together. <laughs> you want to go to the Mavs game? No. I actually don't. Yeah. No. Um, and uh, and I didn't know that you and me going to California, <laughs> just, just the two of us, would be... We did have that trip to uh, Minneapolis together. We'll always have that. The, the, the three, three of us. The three of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So just important. Wanna, uh, so can, important. Can we box that, underline that, bold that, italics. The well, three of us. Oh, but the funniest thing was, I did not know. Do you guys remember? I do not. I will never forget this. <laughs> okay. So we get to the airport. The whole time, like this trip has been planned for months. Months. And like I'm it like, was a big trip. Yeah, and I'm like, da, 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 and I show up, and I'm like, uh, all right, so where are we go? We, we're getting on the plane. I'm looking at my ticket, and I, I, what did I say? I was like, you're like, was this? Is this in Minnesota? Yeah, I was like, are we? I thought we were going to Grand Rapids. I get on the plane and actually have a fear that the three of us are on the wrong right. plane. You're like, I thought we were. I thought I never even looked at the ticket. I was like, whoa, whoa, we we should be on a plane to Grand Rapids no, right no, now. No, we're going to Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm a terrible flyer. You are terrible. So JT just showed me videos of planes. <laughs> Not doing what planes are supposed to. I do. love sitting next to Kyle on flights. And every His time, there, every time sweaty. there was like a tremor, JT would be like, "Hey, it's uh, like I think we're going down." Like, Dude, I am literally, I am in a cocoon of my own fears over here. Something else that was really fun about that trip. I don't know if we've talked about this on here. Is I we have a, a think lost. We have. Oh yeah, we a, have, no, a lost podcast. Oh yeah, we have four lost podcasts. We recorded a, a podcast on the road for yeah. fun. Like we just wanted we to to do a knowing faith on the road. And it turns out that. Our production guys actually know what they're doing, and I have no <laughs> clue. <laughs> so the way we recorded, but it, it was, was gold. Like, it, was, it was probably the best podcast we've ever done. Yeah, mm-hmm. these are just the lost. The lost. One day, maybe when technology, it's advances, like Third we'll Corinthians. Be, we'll just, be able to go rewind ourselves back into history. Or Acts twenty nine. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. ooh, oh. it's that chapter that was written that we don't know about. <laughs> well, today, <laughs> today, uh, thank you, Jen, for humoring us a little bit. It was fun mm-hmm. to walk down memory lane mm-hmm. with a shared experience that all of us have had. And I know that we're three minutes in, and that you're dying a little bit. <laughs> and for some listeners, somebody tweeted out, and I, I appreciate the feedback. They were like, "Love the show, hate the banter." Yeah, <laughs> like props to you right. for being. Just straightforward, right? And you really resonated with that, didn't you? I did. That okay. was actually me. I created a fake account. <laughs> 
That would be awesome if you were trolling the show. Okay, uh, in our last episode, not our last episode, but the the last episode where we were talking about uh, more of a doctrinal thing, we, you know, we kind of go back and forth between something that's a more kind of like a theological topic, and then we'll hit Second Samuel or whatever book we're in. The last uh, episode forty three, uh, we talked about the ascension. And we just talked about how the Ascension JT calls it the forgotten act of Christ. Uh, and we talked a little bit about its significance and why it's important for us to understand the Ascension as integral to uh, and central to our salvation, what God has done in Jesus. Uh, and it kind of raises the question that we're now going to answer today, hopefully. What was Jesus ascending to? Like, what is Jesus, like, what was he going to do? Mm-hmm. And what is Jesus doing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think one of the things that um, can happen is that we talk about having a relationship with Jesus very often attached to what Jesus has done. Mm-hmm. Right? So we're talking about, like, having a personal relationship with Jesus means honoring, like, trusting him as Lord and Savior. Right? And typically what we'll mean by that is that, like, he's done something for us for the forgiveness of sins, and we should now live our lives, like, under the, like, essentially live our lives in his way, mm-hmm. right? But a lot of times we don't talk about living a life with Jesus or having a personal relationship with Jesus that's attached to what he is actually actively doing right now. I remember being in school and learning about Jesus's present session is what what's what it was called, and that he's actually doing something right now, and it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, 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 I didn't even have to think about what he was doing yet. Like, they just introduced the idea that he was currently working and acting on my behalf and it like it almost sent me into tears because it was like oh oh my goodness because sometimes we think about the work of the triune god as the father was working in the old testament the son is working in the new testament until the ascension mm-hmm. and then from acts 28 moving forward uh, the son is no longer working the spirit is working mm-hmm. and that's number one a misunderstanding of god but it's also a misunderstanding of biblical history right that the, that the father and son are still working on our behalf right. and we're in relationship with both of them and that the son is presently working right and that they're working together together right. that their yeah, their missions or their activity isn't separate this one god is working as father son and spirit on our behalf. Yeah. And we've talked about that as the doctrine of inseparable operations. Yep. Just to come back to Trinity, mm-hmm. which he knew we would. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so Jesus' present ministry. Um, so here's just the basic question. What is Jesus doing right now? What's Jesus doing right now? There's a lot of ways to think about this. Great. Let me talk about one of them. Uh, one of them. And these categories can't only be applied to his present work. They could be applied to all of his work. Yeah. Uh, I'll apply him to his present work. Good. Just for what we're talking about, he is acting as prophet for his people, as priest for his people, and king for his people. I'm not sure if Calvin was the first to, to bring these categories, but Calvin talks about these categories in the Institutes. Uh, if you want to understand Jesus's person and work, always think about those three lenses, the lens of prophet, the lens of priest, and the lens of king. Okay. So let's talk about prophet first. Great. So Jesus's current work as prophet is to deliver his word to us. That's scripture. So when you think of scripture, it's not that it is this kind of cold and static word of revelation in the past. It is revelation of the past, but it's also current revelation that Jesus by his spirit is breathing a word to us in scripture. So it's his present address to us is the way I've heard it said before. And he is prophetically speaking to us through the scriptures. So again, I I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to overemphasize this, but I'm not even sure you could. To to receive knowledge of God is God actively giving himself to us 
from the Father, through the Son, and by the Holy Spirit in his word. And yeah. so the, the so God, in other words, has tools that he's using to make himself known. And the tool that the Spirit uses by the power of the speech of the Son is scripture. Right. Please. Well, I was going to say one of JT's most quotable sound bites from the podcast is when he said, Jesus isn't calling he already called. <laughs> it's true. How does I that... Think, uh, I thought that was Kyle. No, no, that, that was definitely you. How does that spicy hot take relate yeah. to this conversation? What I don't want to say is that I, I think God is certainly prompting and communicating with us uh, in in multiple, like a multiplicity of ways. But the, what, I, what I'm trying to say is that the primary way that God is speaking to us or that the Son is speaking to us is in his prophetic ministry, in his ascension, is through Scripture. Yeah, and it's not, and here's what I want to point out. There are a lot of times we'll go, well, if it's through Scripture, then like what? Uh, uh, it's maybe not as active. But it's not just, you can see it's through Scripture. It's just like, okay, it's just me and my Bible I'm reading. But for the Christian, and Scripture is talking about this, when we, when we are coming to the Bible to hear what God has said um, or what God is saying, Okay, because Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active, Mm -hmm. right? So it is doing something. Mm -hmm. It is working upon us. And it is the active speech of God. When we come to scripture, we are coming to scripture in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit to hear the words of the Father. That's right. So it's like... Say that again. So we're coming... So it's not just like... It's not just I'm reading the Bible. We we, we think about it like it's just this, like, these are the words on the page. I'm just reading these pages. It's just me and the Bible. Mm -hmm. The Christian doesn't believe that. Mm -hmm. The Christian believes that I presently, Kyle Worley, as I am looking at this scripture, am actively in Christ Jesus, who is at the right hand of the Father, and that I'm hearing the voice of the Father in the word and scripturated in the Bible as I, like, stand or sit in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just, uh, we are sometimes, we're, we're, we're short-sighted if we see the act of reading the Bible as primarily uh, or only, it's just me and this Bible right here. No, it's that I'm entering in to the conversation, to the words of God uh, from the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is always speaking uh, uh, from the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I step into reading the Bible, I'm stepping into not just a story that's been told or words that have been written, but a conversation, an active speech event that's happening. Uh, In philosophical terms, it it doesn't really matter. It's called speech act. And it's the idea that God is still acting through not just his previous speech, but his contemporary, active, live, active speech right now through scripture. J.I. Packer says it this way, the Bible is the father proclaiming his son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's proclaiming, not proclaimed, mm-hmm. right? Or uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the Bible is God-breathed. Mm-hmm. The, the Greek term is theophneustos, and that's two Greek terms kind of slammed together that don't happen anywhere else, yeah. which shows us that Paul is trying to communicate something very, very particular uh, or unique, perhaps in other words, no other book is like this, that uh, theos means God and neustos means breath or spirit, that this is God, and it's not just God breathed, it's God breathing. Yeah. And it's God's speech to us right now. Yeah. So you can think about the Father in the heavens speaking through the incarnate Son an inscripturated word by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you think of the word of God, there's two things you should be thinking of. The incarnate word of God and the inscribed word of God or the son, Jesus, and Mm -hmm. 
his his word given to us. Mm-hmm. So back to what is Jesus doing right now? He's 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 functioning as the final prophet. If you remember, I think it's Deuteronomy 18 talks about a, a, a prophet is coming that's better than you, Moses. He's going to speak truly. He's going to speak perfectly. He's mm-hmm. going to speak wholly, completely. Well, that's Jesus, right? We don't we don't need. I don't want to overstate this. We don't need another word. We have the word in Christ and in Scripture. Yeah, it is that word that is communicating His word to us. Yeah, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yeah, long ago at many times and in many ways, yeah. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that ties everything together. Witness of the prophets, witness of the son, witness of the world. That's exactly Whoosh. right. It's yep. all of it. Um, and so, so prophet, but then priest as well. Mm-hmm. So like priest is his active intercession for his people. That's his right. Mediation, yep. right? Yep. Talking about Romans 8, that, that he lives to make intercession for mm-hmm. us. He's right at the right hand of the Father. Hebrews gets this as well, that he is at the right hand interceding on behalf of his people. And Murray McShane, I think it's Murray McShane has that quote that says, I wouldn't fear a thousand enemies if I could hear Christ in the room next to me praying for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. but I don't have to hear him to know that he is. Yeah. That's not the exact quote, but it's this idea that we can have this absolute assurance that we have a high priest interceding for us right now. Okay, yeah. but help us understand this interceding that he's doing because we talked about in our previous podcast um, the idea of him being seated, that this final sacrifice for sin has been made. So in what for what is he interceding? Well, his his just his very presence at the right hand of the Father, embodied and ascended, having triumphed over sin, death, shame, and Satan. Just his very presence is a part of that intercessory work because he he sits at the right hand of the Father as our mediator. But Hebrew is says. he is he interceding for the ongoing forgiveness of our sins, or is that a past thing? You know, that's a good question. I often talk about the the present intercession of Christ or his present priestly work as that his presence is the indication to the Father that it is finished mm-hmm. for the for uh, for all of God's people that the work is done and that his act, uh, that we might say that is his passive intercession mm-hmm. that is just by virtue of his presence in the Father's presence. I think this is what Hebrews 10 is getting at when it talks about how we have confidence to enter the holy places right. by the new and living way that Christ has opened for us through his flesh, that is, or through the curtain that is through his flesh. We have a great priest over the house of God so we can draw near in full assurance of faith, right? So pa- his passive uh, uh, intercession is just his very presence at the right hand of the Father. His active intercession is that he is uh, consistently bringing all of the Father's people. Mm-hmm. All of those whose redemption has been secured in Christ Jesus, he is constantly bringing them before the presence of the Father, before the the the, the will of the Father, the will of God, uh, and petitioning on their behalf. So like I often tell our people, when we stop praying uh, for the needs that are in front of us, mm-hmm. the Savior doesn't. Mm-hmm. His, his ministry mm-hmm. of prayer and intercession never ends. The CSB Life Council Bible provides biblical counsel and practical wisdom for pastors, ministry leaders, counselors, parents, couples, and any individual seeking practical wisdom through the application of God's Word. It includes more than 150 full-length articles on a wide range of topics and tough issues from respected Christian counselors and scholars. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today.
What bridge is God calling you to cross that the gospel might go forth among the nations? Women like Lilia Trotter, Harriet Newell, and Sarah Hall Boardman Judson have indeed crossed their own bridges to get to the lost. Discover the stories of 10 inspiring female missionaries who changed the world for Christ. 10 Women Who Changed the World as Seminary President Daniel Aiken's powerful tribute to these women who fulfilled the Great Commission. May we all follow in their footsteps. 10 Women Who Changed the World is available wherever books are sold. So what kinds of prayer requests does Jesus make of the Father? That's a good question. I think uh, perseverance for his That's people. That's what I was going to say. That's yeah. good. Um, and because Hebrews is at pains throughout the whole book right. to point out that uh, a key part of Jesus' mediatorial and intercessory work is uh, is perseverance for the people. Mm-hmm. I think that probably includes, although I don't, I don't know that I know this, there might be a place in Scripture where it's really clear, perseverance through trial, through affliction, um, uh, through our neediness, through temptation, that kind of mm-hmm. intercession. Mm-hmm. Perseverance. Oh, that's what I was going to say too. Uh, this gets back to the question you were asking a second ago. But we, when you, Kyle, you mentioned that his presence in front of the Father by just by him being there is the reminder that we are the ones who have been justified and are being sanctified and will one day be glorified by his wounds. We are being, we have been healed and mm-hmm. are being healed. Mm-hmm. One of the things I, I, I got to do the Good Friday sermon here at the village, and one of the things that I was thinking about as I was preparing and teaching preaching is that uh, Satan has always stood as our accuser, the one who wants to bring accusations uh, and arrows against us before the Father. He wants to, to remind the Father, not that he needs reminding, but he wants to, to tell the Father about all that we've done, all of the shame and the guilt uh, that we should have. But Jesus' presence reminds us that we no longer have an accuser before the Father. We have a justifier mm-hmm. before the Father. We have one who stands before the Father ready to give an account of our forgiveness of sins yes. and to stand before us and say that Satan could never speak a better word over us than the blood of the Son right. or the Word himself. Well, that's the event we see playing out in Revelation, exactly. too, right? That like that part of the present ministry of Jesus, or uh, we, what we might say, part of the future ministry of Jesus, uh, the sending of the Son, but also the presentation of Christ at the end. Mm-hmm. At the end of the story, there is a presentation of the work that he has done. And I don't know if the best way to understand that is remembrance and the old, way the Old Testament remembers that in terms of bearing witness to uh, or keeping covenant or the reminder of covenant fidelity. But uh, there is also a future ministry that is tied into this present priestly work. Okay, so now I need to ask a really... This is the question that would be in my head if I were a listener. And it is so, so hang on, because like, it sounds like this is a temporal thing that's happening, but he's seated at the right hand of God, the father, and that's eternal, right? That's eternity. So is this actually happening? Like, does, why would God need to be reminded to, for the saints to persevere when he can't forget that? So like, what's really happening? Is this just a word picture so that I can understand salvation or is this literally happening? Ooh, that is a tricky question. I mean, the the two trickiest questions I think that you can ask about the present ministry of Jesus mm-hmm. is when is it happening and right. where is where it, happening? it happening? Yeah. Um, and so we know that it's at the right hand of the Father, but w- like when people where are like, "Well, that? where is that?" Mm-hmm. Texas. Texas. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you have man, you have really I'm pretty pretty sure it's the hill country. Yeah. Of Texas. You, you you've adopted Texas, haven't mm-hmm. you? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> it adopted me. But when people ask me, I mean, I think that the genuine, the, the answer in scripture is in the heavenly places. Mm-hmm. What that is, um, it, it's probably not just like up in the sky because the way that heavens and heaven mm-hmm. and heavenly places are used in the New Testament is not consistent for what we often think of as the heavens, which is like a place above the blue, so to speak. Right. Like we know that the place above the blue is is space. Okay. So, like, and maybe there's a there's a place beyond the blue, beyond the space that we can't see. But I don't know that it's best to try to like locate the where spatially. At the same time, when we're thinking about um, the ascension of Jesus and his present ministry, if he is in the heavenly places now, in what sense does that has that pulled the Son of God and fleshed out of? This is just this is going to sound weird. Out of like how, what we, how we understand the extension of space and time, mm-hmm. and the progression of space and time, and what relationship does he have to that is a tricky thing. It's also a tricky thing to think about his extension in space. Yeah, as an embodied person at the right hand of the Father, what is <laughs> I, I I'm tr- I've, I've thought so much about this. Uh, I don't know how to communicate how he would exist embodied and yet not embodied within space and time. Right. So, so you don't know is what you're saying. Well, right. Well, in, in everything you've said, I would say amen. And it's just so hard. And you're right. These are difficult questions. I'm going to introduce a category that is very, it'll probably be challenging, but I think it's helpful to give us a guide or a grid to kind of like a helpmate that can hold our hand through answering questions like this. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm going to do it is a lot of our training program students ask similar questions yeah. here. Introducing this category can be mind-blowing the first time you hear it. But over time, as you revisit these ideas, it becomes <laughs> like a warm blanket, right? And so we have to ask ourselves the question how language works and the way the Bible is using language to describe true things. So first, uh, language can work univocally, which means there's one-to-one correspondence between what is being said and what is happening. It's fully capturing perfectly what, what, is, what is going on. Uh, or it can work univ- uh, 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 equivocally, which means there's no correspondence at all, right? Mm-hmm. There is so complete correspondence or no correspondence. The Bible isn't doing either of those ways of communication ever. The Bible is only using analogical communication. Uh, Here's what that means. The way the Bible is speaking is 100% truthful, accurate, inerrant. It's the inspired word of God. But it is analogous to what is actually going on. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, so now you're getting to what, and this is why I wanted to kind of bring this up. This is the distinction that I try to make with reading the Bible where I say the Bible, people think they're supposed to read the Bible literally versus literately. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what was behind what I wanted to ask Kyle is what is this language really saying? Yeah. Um, Because it's, you know, it's if we read it literally, then we get into our heads hurting about um, things like eternality and embodiment. But if we read it literally, then we can draw some conclusions from it. Right. It's almost like a, is it fair to say that this is um, anthropomorphic yes. language? Would you say that? I, w- I would say that. Hey, I used the big word this time, guys. <laughs> can you, hang on, wait a minute. Wait would a minute. you like can to Can you tell us what that means? Yeah, please, Jen. <laughs> That's a big word, Jen. <laughs> yeah, so this is a way of expressing in, in, in humanly understandable terms terms, uh, something that is true about the relationship between the son and the father. That's good. Yes. And we need to emphasize it is true. Yes. To say analogous, it can weird people out because they Mm -hmm. think, is it, is it not then real? Is it not? And that's not what we're saying. Right. It is absolutely 100% true. It is just 
a way of humans trying to describe, comprehend, mm-hmm. and accurately tell what God has done. And, and this analogical language is, uh, it's a part of the kindness and condescension of God. Yes. Calvin yes, talks yes, about right. it under the grid that's of accommodation, right. mm-hmm. that, uh, that it's part of the condescension of God to, he talks about the lisping of a mother to a baby, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it's like God speaking to us. It's like, if, and Jesus even, like he even kind of mentions this a little bit in his earthly ministry. And he's like, if I've spoken to you of worldly things and you don't understand, <laughs> you would not even begin to believe the heavenly things, right? Like right. He, he, he gets at that a little bit, um, that tension. And so, but this is part of the kindness of God that he does condescend and speak to us in ways that don't demand we be God to understand them. Well, we do this. I mean, this is, we, we know how to employ this kind of language in our own writing or our own communication. In fact, we even saw it in a previous episode with the way that Nathan communicated David's sin to him in the form of a parable. Right. No one is like, so then is Bathsheba actually a lamb? Like no one would ask that question because we understood the point of the parable was to teach a truth and we took the truth away and we let the imagery do what it needed to do. And so when we look at something like this um, with the, you know, what is Jesus doing right right now? We take away the truth, but we don't spend time asking questions of the language that the language is not even trying to address. Yeah, true. So we hit two of the three. Prophet, prophet, priest, priest, and now king. King King is this idea that he is, and we've covered this a little bit in the last, or two episodes ago, he reigns forever on an eternal throne, that he is enthroned. Uh, one of the books I think I've mentioned on here before that has been written recently in New Testament scholarship is this idea, it's called Salvation by Allegiance Alone by Matthew Bates. And he's making the point that the term uh, that we translate as faith might be better translated as allegiance. One of the things that's really interesting in evangelicalism is for some reason, it's actually really easy to convince people that Jesus is God. It's far harder to convince people that Jesus is king and to right. live appropriately, right? So the, the New Testament is making very explicit claims that Caesar nor any other governmental authority is the true king. Right. Jesus is the true king. And to say, I believe in him, isn't just to sign a doctrinal statement. It's to give allegiance to a new world order, yes. a new kingdom. And so when we think about Jesus, we're not just saying, yeah, I believe in him. We're saying, I've given my allegiance to him, right. that I want to live in accordance with his kingdom in this world. Yes. And that, and that, uh, that that's personal, but there's also a cosmic dimension to his kingly rule. That's right. Which is that he's ruling and reigning over all things. Over everything. And he's bringing them, uh, uh, that the Father in Christ Jesus is bringing all of them to their proper end. I think about Ephesians 1, mm. which I go back to all the time because, it, again, I just think Ephesians 1 is such a good, like, if you're trying to understand the history of how God has been at work in the world, you could do a lot worse than Ephesians 1. But so um, it, it talks about blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who essentially chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And that kind of goes through how Christ secured that redemption. And by the end of Ephesians 1, this first block in uh, 7 through 10, it talks about in him being in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. And then here's the kicker as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And so that uh, P.T. O'Brien in his commentary on Ephesians says that in Christ Jesus, God has chosen to sum up the whole cosmos. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that Jesus is doing in his kingly work is by decree of the father, uh, he is 
ruling and reigning. That's right. And that God is bringing everything to its proper end mm-hmm. or purpose, not end in terms of conclusion, end in terms of the Greek word consummation. Telos. Telos, like, yeah, yeah. It's, per, it's, it's perfection, mm-hmm. it's completedness, and he's doing it in Christ. Yeah. And that's where we end in Revelation 21 and 22, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like Revelation 21, you talk about an enthroned Jesus. Uh, I saw a new heaven and new earth. The first heaven and earth had passed away. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. That's so good. So it's like, God is bringing, it's not just that he's done a work in Jesus, but that his kingly, priestly, and prophetic rule all come to their proper completeness, their proper end, their telos, in the remaking of the whole world. Yeah, he will always be the prophet. Yes. He will always be the king, and he will always be the priest. Athanasius, in his book, On the Incarnation, which is a fourth century, just fantastic, very short book we've mentioned on here before, talks about Jesus' present work this way. He says, dead man cannot take effective action but the savior is working mightily among humans every day he is invisibly persuading numbers of people all over the world to accept his faith and be obedient to his teaching i love that because he basically saying if you know somebody who's come to faith genuine faith in christ you can be assured that jesus is still alive and working because jesus is sending his spirit to regenerate us to baptize us with the holy spirit to make us new, to transfer us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of Christ. Yep. So then how should I pray? If he is prophet and priest and king, how does that make me think about prayer differently? Oh gosh. It's, I'll tell you, it's trans, it transformed the way I think about prayer. When I think about um, prayer, uh, I think about um, oftentimes what I'll do in my, my personal prayer, mm-hmm. okay, um, is that I will begin by trying to pause for a few moments and just remind myself that I am stepping into the presence of God in Jesus mm-hmm. and through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I will often thank Jesus for uh, for praying before I got there. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that may seem a little, mm-hmm. like, silly, but I'll often begin my personal prayer with, uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that I'm getting to join you in the work that you've been doing and that you'll continue to do even after I stop mm-hmm. praying. Um, and then uh, I, uh, how it's changed just some of like the practicals of prayer uh, is that I often pray through the word. I pray through the words of scripture. I mm-hmm. use the word as a template um, uh, for how I pray because Jesus is the prophet and he's delivered uh, his word. Mm-hmm. That God has delivered his word to me and I'm praying the words of God back to God. Um, and uh, and then as priest, I, again, uh, like I've mentioned, I'm coming to pray in and through Jesus and he's going, he was praying before I got there and he'll be praying after I leave, so to speak. Uh, and then I'm praying, knowing that Jesus Christ is sovereign. I'm not like, I don't, I'm not um, trying to coerce him, but I am asking. Uh, you know, this is. I often Charles Spurgeon said this: prayer is the hammer that God has chosen to drive in the nails. I, I tell our people often: I do not know why or how God has chosen to accomplish His purposes through the prayers of His people. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why, and I don't know how, mm-hmm. but He has, mm-hmm. and so we're going to pray. So this morning, for example, I was with. 15 people from Mosaic, 6.30 prayer time. And uh, the way I kicked it off was, I don't know why or how 
God has chosen to mm-hmm. <laughs> like accomplish his purposes through prayer. But he has. But he has. He has. And so we're going to pray. Mm-hmm. He rules and reigns over all things. And somehow, in some way, God has, he delights in saying, this is how I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So it, it gives me a lot of confidence in prayer. So it has changed how I pray. It's probably not a coincidence that the Lord's Prayer incorporates elements of prophet and priest and king. Mm-hmm. Like um, even, so obviously deliver us from evil, this idea of the, you know, lead us not into temptation, this priestly role, but um, give us this day our daily bread. You know, Jesus says mm-hmm. man will not live by bread alone, but by every word yes. that proceeds from yeah. the mouth of the Father. And so there's this um, prophetic aspect to give us this day our daily bread and then the deliverance from evil, the priestly work, yeah. and then thine is the kingdom. Wow. I'd never connected this. <laughs> And I am writing it down now. (laughs) Um, That's good. Um, Well, gosh, I just felt like we just skimmed the surface. Yeah, we did. Well, maybe one other, just this is maybe a bit more of a general encouragement for people, but I think a part of encouragement when you think about Christ's cosmic kingship over the world maybe relates to vocation, Mm. that Jesus isn't just king over the church, he's king over the whole world. Mm. And so maybe you're listening to this and you're driving into your place of work or you're at home, you're maybe folding laundry or doing dishes or mowing the lawn or whatever it might be, but God has put your hands to something today and Christ is king even over the most mundane, what we would see as mundane things in the world, uh, that you have been called to go be a representative of this king and whatever the king has put your hands to today, not just uh, the things that we might want to think are, are, are big or triumphal yeah. or, or exciting or loud, yeah. or, but that seriously, if you're, if you're sure. folding laundry right now, yeah. Christ is ruling as cosmic king over that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's really good news yeah. that, that we are his representatives wherever we go and whatever work we find ourselves doing. Love it. For more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us online at trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching Knowing Faith. On our next episode, we're going to find out that King David can count. And we're going to be joined by our good friend, Elizabeth Woodson. See you next time. Grace and peace.